God is good. And all the time. We are spread out today. It is so good to see each and every one of you today on a on a Tuesday afternoon for a Bible study. Pastor um, Lisa, our care minister, is going to get her steps in today. So uh, gear up, stretch, get ready. Awesome. If you're joining us online, welcome to all of you. Whatever day you're watching us, maybe this is Wednesday morning Bible study. Maybe it's Friday night Bible study. If it's if it's Saturday night Bible study, we have to talk. We need to get some you to do some get a life, go do something, and then come back to Bible study. Come on down. Let's pray. God above, so much about life is changing from caterpillar to butterfly, from child to adult, from sinner to saint. Lord, touch our hearts today. Change us. Let us read these words today, and may they make sense, and may they make a little bit of turn us a little bit more into, in, in, into what Christ wants us to be, a little bit more loving, a little bit more forgiving, a little less, less rule-following, and a little bit more graciousness. In your Son's name we have this prayer. Amen. Pastor Mike, breaking the rules. Jesus breaks the rules in this story, so we'll, it'll, it'll come up. So we're in uh, John chapter 9. We finished last week John chapter 8, as they go, and Jesus was escaping because they wanted to stone him uh, for blasphemy. So he disappeared amongst the crowds, and, and, and out, how, out he was going, and that's when we catch this next story is that same day as he's, as he's, as he's walk, walking out the temple courts. So let's do verses 1 through 5. Let's do 1 through 5. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." As he went along, as he passed by, as, as my Bible says, uh, the previous chapter ended as Jesus passed by those who wanted to stone him, uh, considering him guilty of, of blasphemy. John continues his account, noting now Jesus passed by a man who was blind from birth. Uh, the, the, the sense of the flow, so, so when John wrote this, he did not divide them up into chapters. John didn't say, that was, ah, that's a great chapter 8. I can't wait to get to chapter 9. He just wrote his thing, and later on, scholars broke them up into, into chapters. And so it has, if you, if you take out the chapter 9 title and the, and, and the number, it just kind of flows into, like, he's on his way out. He's walking out the temple. Um, and he, he's not, it doesn't look like he's shaken or disturbed uh, with the, almost the deadly confrontation, but we find him calm and self possessed. Uh, he was often reviled, but he was never ruffled. Uh, the Lord's character, he's, he's got this wonderful quietness of spirit, uh, especially his marvelous calmness in the presence of those who uh, insult and slander him. Maybe you've heard this line before, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Uh, the disciples regarded him as kind of the, the, the 
the, the beggar as kind of an unsolved riddle. If God is good, why do things like this happen? There has to be a reason. And everything comes from sin. The wages of sin is death. So it's got to be it's got to be sin somehow. And honestly, as I read this, the disciples show no interest in helping the man, but they but just using him as a sermon illustration for his condition. And Jesus will soon show us a different way. He doesn't he doesn't dwell on the theological puzzle, but but actually just on 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 helping the guy. It is ours not to speculate, but to perform acts of mercy, says Spurgeon. Mercy and love, um, according to the tenor of the gospel. As I read this, there's, there's several reasons why the, why the disciples might ask this. So some of the Jews of the time believed that the soul pre-existed before birth. Before conception, somewhere out there in the ether, there are there, there there are souls, and they're just waiting for bodies to to come. Um, we we see this with uh, you know when, when you see the stories of, of demon possession that we kind of like mm, uh, you know that kind of idea of of spirits out there waiting for bodies to to come in. You know, not just demons; it could be us too, pre-existing souls. Asked my kids a while back, when did you, when'd you start? What, what's the earliest that you can remember? And, you know, they have some images, like before three, that they can't really... They, they, they said they have like a picture in their mind. But, you know, bef- before that, uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, when, does, when does life begin? When does the soul begin? And uh, some Jews believe that souls are always there, which also leads to after death... Not just heaven and hell, but uh, there's there's this uh, thing called in the east, rein. What's that name? Rein, reincarnation. What do you want to come back as? Of course, we we in the Christian world think you know there's there, there's heaven and there you go, you get one ride on this earth. Uh, make make the best of it. Uh, but some Jews at the time believed in some kind of reincarnation, and perhaps the man lived in sin in a previous state. Uh, some some Jews believed at the time that a baby might sin in the womb. None of us are perfect. Even babies are in the womb. I have no idea how that would happen. They might have had a bad thought in there. I don't know. I'm just saying what, what was some of the thoughts of the time. Uh, they thought maybe the punishment was for a sin that the man would later commit. Maybe it's for something he's going to do later. So they were they were so bewildered that they th- that they just threw out this wild possibility without thinking of through who sinned this man or his parents and if you think I'm going a little too far and like how can a baby in a womb sin it's in their question the man was born blind well who sinned that he was born blind him the only other option was before birth. Um, and uh, we look on that kind of as a as crazy talk, but that that was an idea floating around at the time. Uh, thankfully, Jesus says that this man's blindness was not caused by a specific sin on the part of this man or or his parents. Um, sometimes things just happen. 
Hurricanes just happen. Earthquakes just happen. Well, they didn't happen in the Garden of Eden, so it's, it's man's sin that causes tsunamis. We just live on an earth that is a beautiful and yet dangerous place to live in some places. Here, it almost seems like Jesus is saying that this man was born blind because of, of what I'm about to do, so that the works of God might be revealed in him. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think that God causes this person's blindness just so Jesus could have this miracle, you know, many years later. But here we have an opportunity uh, to, to have a healing done. God did not deliberately cause the child to be born to prove a point. Uh, oh, something else caught me. Uh, Jesus has the word worker in here. Um, the worker is a well-earned title to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief worker, the sin, the sin dealer, the uh, works in the world. Night is coming when you can, when no one can work. Jesus understood that the opportunities for service and doing good don't last forever. Uh, and here we have this chance for a healing on the Sabbath that would bring, that would bring him more trouble. But it's the opportunity that Jesus has. Um, his compassion for the man drove him to heal on the Sabbath anyway. Uh, let's do verses six through twelve. We'll get through the this part of the story. This whole chapter deals with this one story and the ramifications. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit in the, and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. So this is a horrible children's lesson to have. Let's, all right, kids, let's make some, let's make some mud. Uh, spittle. He spit on the ground, made clay with the saliva. Uh, Jesus used what was uh, undoubtedly one of the most unusual methods leading up to a miracle. Uh, maybe he wanted to emphasize a few things. When, when I read this, I think back to Genesis. Uh, Genesis, how, 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 did, how did God make Adam? Out of, out of the dust and out of the dirt. You could just imagine God out there just forming him in the clay. Um, if you ever know anyone named Adam, their name means dirt in Hebrew. That's where we get the name, earth. Uh, earth is nicer. Dirt is what it really means. Uh, uh, dust of the earth, uh, out, out, out of creation. Um, and also John seems to be focusing more on compassion uh, than, uh, than maybe how this is done. Jesus, uh, how many different ways can you heal someone? Jesus comes up with quite a few. And the reason that we have so many different ways 
ways of healing. Uh, sometimes there's touching. Sometimes someone touches him. Sometimes he can touch from touch uh, heal from a distance. And other times he's got to be there. Other times he uses spit. There's there's just all these different ways. People are watching him, and they're trying to write down what's the secret. How do you do this? What's the way to heal? And I think Jesus, I, I, it doesn't say it, but I wonder, is he messing with them? I'm just going to show you 18 different ways of doing this. Uh, but also, there's also, every individual also has a different need and maybe a different way of, of healing. A lot of my weddings are the same script, but I tailor it every so, ever so slightly to, to, that, to that family. Every time, you know, I go see the doctor, every time the doc, you know, a doctor does, let me, let me backtrack. I'll do a dentist. Dentist is not as gross. You know, a dentist does a filling. It's the same procedure, but every time it's different because it's a different person and a different need and um, hopefully the same result. Uh, Jesus heals. And so people are watching. What's the secret? What are the, what are the words? What are the, uh, what are the actions? And Jesus just messes it up. Every, every single time. Uh, saliva as medicine, it was a thing. Back in the day, if you've ever had a mom come at you, right? A spit bath, or you got to oh, oh, yeah, you know, take care of it. Spit does have some healing qualities to it. Uh, there's a lot, uh-huh, yeah. Sometimes my mom loved me too much for that. It's, there's dust. Uh, dust. Well, you, got, you got wind here. You have dust and wind. Uh, last week we had a windstorm come through here, and I, I, I felt like I should call Ada County and tell them I don't have to pay property taxes because my property's in Colorado now, and I'm, I don't have to pay. It doesn't work that way, not at all. Uh, Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark recorded two other healings that Jesus performed with, with the saliva as well. <laughs> now that I put mud on you, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And John, again, this is after the temple has been destroyed and he's speaking to a Gentile population, has to explain a little bit of the Hebrew. Uh, the pool is Siloam. Siloam means sent. It's a pool in in Jerusalem, that actually comes from outside Jerusalem, and it was a, a marvel of its day where they were able to dig, dig under the walls and dig uh, into into the middle of the city, the north part of the city, and build this giant pool. The water comes from outside the city, but it comes in. Uh, they also have it in case for water, uh, in case they get sieged, where they can have a water supply as well, and it's all kind of buried in underneath, and uh, it's called scent because the water was sent, <laughs> or brought, brought forth. Yeah. Uh, Jesus didn't tell him he was going to be healed, although it's kind of implied. <laughs> uh, Jesus, Jesus sees the man, puts mud in his eyes. Here, go wash yourself. And the man, I can imagine, go, well, of course I'm going to go wash myself. You just put mud in my eyes. I need to, need to wash myself. But there's a healing in here. Um, he still had to find... I felt bad for the guy. He had to find his way down to the pool, uh, and down it's it's not exactly near the temple, so, so it would be like uh, us saying, um, "I'm trying to think of a good example." If the healing was here, mud, go down to Walmart and 
and, uh, and, and, and wash yourself. Like the pool was not exactly close. He had to go find his way down there. Um, and while he's walking, I could imagine him thinking of a dozen reasons why this is a fool's errand. Uh, but he went. Doesn't say if he had help, but he probably did. And he washed it in faith and obedience because Jesus told him to. And he came back seeing. This is the first time in the biblical record that a person born born blind uh, was healed of their blindness. From Genesis to, to John, no prophet, priest, apostle ever gave sight uh, to the blind man. And this is kind of a messianic expectation. Uh, even, uh, God, um, the prophet Isaiah, uh, they will give sight to the blind. Uh, the psalm says the Lord opens the, uh, the eyes of the blind. They don't, some people didn't believe it was him. It just looks like this guy. And he says, no, it's, it's me. Trust me, I know who I am. Uh, it seems too amazing to believe. The man can convince them that he was, in fact, the one healed. Uh, who did this? And, and, and this man had never met Jesus before. All he knows is a name. I almost wanted them to ask, what did he look like? I, I was blind. I don't know. But a man named Jesus. He didn't know that Jesus was from Nazareth or the Messiah or claimed to be God or the light of the world. He didn't even know where Jesus was. All he knew was that he could see. I like this story because we, we, we learn about Jesus in baby steps. In Sunday school, we, we learn simple but beautiful stories about Jesus. As we get older, we learn new things. And, and even now, at, you're in a Bible study to learn more about Jesus. I'm in here as well to learn more about Jesus. We're always learning uh, about what, who Jesus is and what, what he does. I like the fact that throughout, Jesus really dealt with the individual, as you had commented, very, very, very graciously commented. In every instance, though, he was looking not only for a physical heal, but for a spiritual heal as well. And he did that in different ways. In this time, the man, the blind man, had to walk clear to the pool of Siloam, which was on the other side of the city, with mud in his eyes, <laughs> probably asking what in the world he's doing in the whole this whole way. That is a spiritual um, uh, uh, you know decision of, of, of wrestling. As wrestling, that's a good word. He he took it on faith. He didn't just say, "Well, what was this? For? Just get this out of like." As as he can't see anyway, but stop putting. Right, but but the walk itself was an act of faith. So the walk itself was an act of faith. So through requiring a faithful part of a miracle, really wrought a lot of spiritual awakening as well, or spiritual healing as well. So I always try to look at, you know, how did the two relate? How did it happen? And did it happen? The ten lepers, the one that came back, which one was physically healed and which one was actually spiritually, spiritually. healed? That kind of thing. 
And it's really quite interesting here how this uh, blind man did the things that he was asked to do. God, God, God grows the plant, but we, we got to plant the seed. Let's do verses, we're going to break this one up, 13, 13 to 23, 13 to 23. The Pharisees investigate the healing. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they asked for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is that it that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how can he see now or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said he is age of, is of, he is of age asking. So Jesus took the initiative in this, in this miracle. And could have done, could have done it any day that he chose, but he chose to do this miracle on the Sabbath uh, for for two reasons. Number one, that's when this story took place, but also to challenge the petty traditions of the religious leaders, traditions that they lifted to the place of of binding laws. Um, and yeah, like I said, Sabbath uh, was so scrutinized. This is what we do as our family. This is what we do as a community of faith. This is what we do as as a nation. Um, you you can't even need like need, you can't need bread. That's a form of work. And some could even look at Jesus just making spittle in the ground, kneading kneading the mud and the clay together as as a form of work. This man's not from God. Doesn't even keep the Sabbath. Uh, to some of these Pharisees, Jesus could not be who he said he was because he doesn't line up with their. He does not line up with their prejudices. Uh, it, this man, it's 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 uh, it's kind of a, a contemptuous way of saying, uh, trash talking him a little. Uh, how there was a minority question: How can a sinner? You know the 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 those who are defending Jesus a little bit. How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? Sounds a little bit like Nicodemus's um, phraseology a few chapters back when they dismissed Nicodemus. What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. It strikes me that the Pharisees are asking this gentleman a question. 
most of the religious leaders had had their minds made up about Jesus. And yet, I could see where it would kill them. Like, we have to, we have to get on the same level as this poor beggar and ask him uh, what took place. He's a prophet. I, I'm guessing the beggar didn't know what else to say. Uh, he's a prophet because that's pretty high up on the, on the chain of religious talk. Jesus did not say this to the man that he would be, uh, he didn't say he'd be healed if he washed in the pool. He didn't say he was a prophet. He just, he listened and healed. But the Jews did not believe this concerning him, that he had been born blind. It was, easy, it was easier for the religious leaders to believe that the man had never been blind than to believe that Jesus had healed him. So they go to the parents. Why not? Let's try the parents. Is this your son who was born blind? And the answer was yes. This, this is our kid. We know our kid. Uh, granted, it doesn't say the age of the person. Uh, I, I kind of get the feeling the person's in their 20s, 20s or 30s, somewhere in there. This is our son. He was born blind. And the religious leaders, they, they didn't care. They, just, they were looking for anything that would, that would bolster uh, their side of the opinion. Excommunication. It's not a practice that we hold true very much nowadays. I'm trying to think of anyone who's ever been excommunicated from the Methodist Church. I know people who've been kicked out of clergy, but I can't think of anyone who's been kicked out of a church because of deed or because of, of faith. People have withdrawn. Maybe that's their own form of excommunication. But think about these times. To get excommunicated from the temple, from the synagogue. This is a nation that is totally totally based on your identity as, 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 as Jewish. For us, if I got excommunicated, like, ah, great, I'll, I'll go down to the Lutherans, see what they're all about. Or, or the Baptists or the whoever's, right? I'll find a church. There's no option here. I don't know if this guy had friends, but excommunicated means you are now no longer part of your friend group or your family, or you're just done. I think I remember hearing that the center, the synagogue was also the center of community life, right? Like if you needed a job, if you needed to work, you could go to the synagogue and wait to get hired for the day or so to be kicked out of the synagogue also like, basically denies you of a lot of your citizenship rights. Yeah, we live in a, I, I love that we live in a free country. Have you ever, have you ever seen those, uh, uh, the directories, like they call it, the, the Christian directory? I, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, if you're looking for a plumber or an auto mechanic or a whatever, basically yellow, think yellow pages. You're all old enough to remember yellow pages. Okay, yellow pages. <laughs> I'd explain to my kid what a yellow page was a while back. Uh, yellow page. But this is the Christian directory, and every year we get a, a box dropped off here that says, put these out. That way your people can go to other f- people of faith to find your plumber. And we throw them away. Why is that, I hear you ask? If there was a mosque down the, town, down, down the road, uh, Islam, and they had directories, and they went inside and says, 
please only go to these Islamic plumbers or eye doctors. Would, would that seem a little off to us? Yes. Let your business be business. Let your faith be faith. So that's, if, if you want a directory, next time they come, I'll save you a copy. Uh, but we, it, 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 just, it just feels too, too weird for me. Like, oh, I can't wait to get business because if I say I'm a Christian, I can also get more business. Any thoughts on excommunication? There are still some, some folk out there that practice uh, that tradition today. I think we're taught not to judge and uh, to accept people, and excommunication is totally against that. Do you judge people? Um, if my daughter brought home, so gosh, someone who beat her, I would have a hard time, and I would be judging. But I'm judging. I, but yes, your, your, your point is valid. Uh, I've never kicked anyone out of a church. Not yet. The, 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 one, the one time I want to take back is there was a, there was a baby, uh, like, a, like a one-year-old uh, in the church who was just screaming, screaming, like not just making noise, screaming. Well, yeah, after after two minutes, this is during the sermon, and, and I'm thinking, well, everyone else is probably thinking, hey, they're, they're screaming too, they want me to be quiet. But uh, I just, shh, I just kind of did. Just, in my head, I'm like, there is a nursery right there. Um, I did not handle it well because I went, shh. And we never saw him again. I handled that poorly. That was in my first six years of Minnesota, year six. This is going way back. My grandfather was a Methodist circuit minister, and this man would drink and beat his wife. So he got two or three of the elders of the church, and they met at this gentleman's home and churched him. So he didn't get tossed out of the church, but he was kind of uh, reprimanded for his actions. As long as we're just telling stories. My uh, family never got <laughs> excommunicated. But when I was a kid, we suddenly left the church that I had grown up in since I had been an infant. And it took me a long time to understand why. I mean, at the time, my parents, you know, didn't explain it to us. But later when I got older, they were like, oh, yeah, mom learned too much about the pastor. And so we got kicked out. <laughs> Not a good church, maybe. There, there are pastor friends of mine that have a Facebook page for their, for for you know the, or their name, uh, that they share with their church, and they go by an alias to all their other friends. So, uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to know too much. I'm a boring person, but you don't want to know too much about your. All right, twenty four. Let's let's finish that whole section there. Twenty four to thirty four. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? 
He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are his fellows, fellows, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this, as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. No, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And they threw him out. Give God the glory, this command to the healed man. Tell the truth. Don't give glory to Jesus. Give it. Give glory to God. Uh, we know. We know. We know Jesus is a sinner. Uh, they said this not because Jesus broke the law of God in the Hebrew Scriptures, but because he disobeyed their their man-made traditions around the law. Uh, they said this despite the evidence, not because of it. Uh, and then we get the line from Amazing Grace: "I once was blind, but now I see." The man born blind didn't know anything, everything about Jesus, but he do know that Jesus touched his life. And that's what he stood on. This is my argument. You tell me. He healed me. And as far as I know, that, that's a thing that God does. He stood on, he stood on that fact, and the Pharisees took their stand, their, they took their stand on preconceived ideas. I've told you already. You did not listen. I don't know what else you want to hear. Uh, the man born blind showed a simple and profound wisdom in this back and forth. You know, if you keep asking the same question, what are you going to get? Same answer. <laughs> and then he, I think he ribs it in a little bit. Do you want to become his, one of his disciples too? <laughs> uh, intended or not, the healed man mocked both their uh, rejection of Jesus and uh, proclaimed himself to be a disciple. Of Christ as well. Uh, we're disciples of Moses, of the law. You were completely born in sin. That's that that that's their closing argument. You know, you were born compl utterly, completely born in sin. Whatever the deepest, darkest sin is, you must have it. And they and they kicked him out. Okay. Uh, let's finish it off. 35 to the end. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will come bef become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, 
your guilt remains. And that totally made sense to everybody, correct? It's kind of a convoluted little little argument there, isn't it? But you you get the gist of the idea. Um, for those who can see, your, your, you have spiritual blindness. You have your blinders on. Uh, you, anyone have ever have horses a long time ago and they had the little blinders on the side? Yeah. Pharisees, you're like this. All you can see is your law. And all you can see are your interpretations of the law. God is more like this. And you're like this. You need to see. <laughs> this blind person sees more than you do. Uh, Jesus received the worship. When the, man, when the man worshiped Jesus, Jesus received the worship. This is something that uh, no man or angel has done in the Bible before. Uh, the fact that Jesus accepted this worship is another proof that Jesus was and is God, and he knew himself to be God. Uh, the whole judgment thing, you have to think back to the Gospel of John. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And and we talked about how anytime they used the word world, it meant something, not just creation, but something opposed to God. Uh, that God is trying to reconcile. For God so loved the world that he gave himself. Um, and so that there's there's that there's a judgment there that uh, the world, evil, there's judgment, but I come to redeem so that the blind can see. And the Pharisees ask, are we blind too? And it's a softball question. And Jesus says, yes, in essence. Um, but they, 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 were so, they were so confident in their spiritual sight, that they, but they just could not see the Son of God right in front of them. There's a great difference i got to think how I want to say this because this might work in a sermon. There's a great difference between, between the one who is blind and knows it and the one who just simply shuts their eyes. The blind man gets healed and the Pharisees knowingly shut their eyes. In other words, there's many ways to be blind. How many times have I been blind to something right in front of me? Lots. Shh. <laughs> blind to what that would mean to that person there, just trying to make it through a service. In this story, I really like the blind man and his conversion as this moves along and as he goes through this trial with the Pharisees. At first, he said that Jesus was just a man. Not, you know, not in this wrestle just, with yeah. his own spiritual uh, unblindness or seeing. He says he was just a man. Halfway through, he says, oh, he must be a prophet. And then when uh, Jesus came to him, he called him Lord. This... Uh, Gradation, this uh, advancement of his spiritual awakening is really potent and shows up in there. There's another sermon, I think. The path to being saved has baby steps. Baby steps as we move along in our faith. 
Next week, chapter 10, we get to the shepherd, uh, the good shepherd, and, and, and his flock. Um, enjoy the snacks. Thank you to everyone who uh, to brought them, and we will see you on Sunday. Go in peace.
I don't know if you were the, the rules the rules were so insane and intricate. He, he took it on faith. He didn't just say, well, what was this for? Just get this out of, like, as, as he can't see anyway, but stop putting. Right. But, but the walk itself was an act of faith. 